You're listening to What's New with Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far-off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. This podcast is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Each episode features insight you won't find anywhere else from the center of the conversation surrounding emerging technologies like AI. Right now on the podcast, you can hear a special episode where Brad Smith lays out Microsoft's vision for a vibrant marketplace driving the new AI economy. To hear more, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. It's Thursday, August 24th. I'm Zeke Robison. Today, how to talk to your kids about social media and mental health. Here's what the science really says about teens and screens, and how to start the conversation with young people of any age. Make sure to listen to the end to find out what other Wired podcasts you can check out today. If you give a kid a smartphone, they're going to want a social media account. That's not the start of a storybook. The average age for a kid getting their first smartphone is 10.3. Within a year, a child has likely made four or five social media accounts. By the age of 12, 90% of kids are already on social media, according to research by Linda Chamaraman, a senior research scientist who runs the Youth Media and Wellbeing Research Lab at Wellesley College. For parents and caregivers, the decision to let your youngster sign up for TikTok, Instagram, or Snapchat can feel like a daunting milestone. In May, the U.S. Surgeon General suggested that social media is contributing to a mental health crisis among the nation's youth. Around the world, lawmakers have been mounting pressure on the likes of Meta and TikTok to restrict the addictive design features that young users are subjected to. But social media can be valuable to young people, too. Digital spaces can be beneficial settings to build friendships and receive social support from peers, So if your kid starts asking about social media, or you suspect that they already have secret accounts, what's a parent to do? Social media is not inherently good or bad, says Charmaraman, whose research focuses on adolescent development and social media. It's really about how people come to use social media, in what ways, and what kinds of supports they have to navigate it in a way that's right for them. It's absolutely possible for families to foster a healthy relationship with social media by understanding the science, starting conversations about social media and mental health, and setting boundaries on security settings and screen use. Here's how to get started, whether your kid is 17 or approaching the age of 10.3. It's still too soon to determine any long-term effects of social media on youth mental health, says Charmaraman. She encourages parents to take a critical look at the popular studies that draw correlations between teens' social media use and negative outcomes like depression and anxiety. When you actually look at the statistical weight of how much we can explain the rise in rates of mental health difficulties due to social media or technology use, it's less than 1%, she says. 
Correlation studies might also discount larger forces that contribute to mental health difficulties, like socioeconomic status or family relationships. For example, if a child is in a household where parents argue frequently, the child may turn to social media more often to seek support or distraction. That doesn't mean social media is the problem. More restrictions on social media don't correlate to a happier child either, Charmaraman points out. It's also important to understand that much of the current research on social media and youth well-being is focused on middle-class white families. There's still more to be learned about how social media impacts non-white, LGBT, and neurodivergent youth, or youth in unstable housing situations. In other words, there's no scientifically proven one-size-fits-all social media rule. Tailor the following guidelines to your family and your kids and be ready to adapt them as your kids grow older and their situations change. Don't be afraid to set different guidelines for siblings too. Kids in the same family could have different needs. You might want to start earlier than you think. Don't assume that your kid isn't already on social media, says Charmaraman. Especially if your child has an older sibling or friends with older siblings, it's likely that they've engaged with social media in some way. Charmaraman recommends initiating a conversation about social media when a child is in late elementary or middle school, then gradually onboarding them onto social media with a lot of structure, rules, and oversight at first. It's easier to be proactive about social media guidelines than to try to undo bad habits that have been cemented over years. Prepare as opposed to repair, she says. If you have an older teen, not all hope is lost, but more on that later. To onboard your kid, start with the highest level of scrutiny and security over their social media use, then gradually loosen the reins as the child gets older. Open up the social media app that your child is interested in and look through the menu of settings together. Have a conversation with your child about how the platform works, what kinds of security settings and parameters make sense at the moment, who should be allowed to message your child. If a child is younger, you might consider having access to the account's password as well. You might also set up an app's in-house parental controls. That way, if your child encounters violent, sexual, or other inappropriate content, you can intervene more quickly. As a child gets older and earns more trust, parents can loosen restrictions on safety settings. If the child shows that they're not yet able to self-regulate the healthy time they're spending on social media, add more restrictions. Charmaraman recommends the onboarding approach rather than banning social media outright. Kids can find ways around restrictions, and more seriously, they'll likely hold back if something bad happens to them online. How can you tell the difference between healthy and unhealthy use of social media? Charmaraman says there's no magic number for screen time limits. Some kids can use their phones healthily for several hours if they're searching for information or interacting with friends. Other kids tend toward more problematic behaviors, so they would benefit from more guardrails around screen time. Sarah Domoff, an assistant professor at the University of Albany, State University of New York, suggests that as parents observe their kids' social media use, they look into three broad categories. The content your child encounters. You won't be able to block all potentially inappropriate content on the internet from your child, so it's important to know how your child responds. Do they continue to engage with content that's potentially harmful, stressful, or untrue? If they're having unhealthy responses to what they see on social media, consider more restrictions. If your child is able to recognize and bypass inappropriate content, they can be more independent. When social media is being used, 
The research shows that some times of day may matter more than others, Domov says. If screens interfere with sleep or schoolwork, consider having a conversation with your child about changing the timing of social media use so it doesn't interfere with other activities that keep them well. Vulnerabilities that are specific to your child. Some youth may be more vulnerable to certain kinds of content or interactions that exacerbate mental health concerns. Use these three categories to guide the conversations you have with your kids about social media. It's important to acknowledge that it's developmentally appropriate for teens to need some privacy from their parents as they explore their identities. If you decide to follow what your teen is doing online, make sure your teen is aware of it. Frame your actions transparently, says Domov. Try to tell them, because I'm concerned about your safety, I will be checking your content. Or, I understand there are things that you may not want me to see. I'm just concerned about you being safe. What if your child is an older teen with social media accounts, known to you or otherwise? It's never too late to start a conversation, says Eliza Copans, a rising junior at Brown University and co-founder of Technically Politics, an organization that collects youth stories about social media and advocates for legislative reform. She says it's important for adults to validate the importance of social media to teens. Don't frame it as a waste of time and acknowledge that online friendships can be just as valuable as those made in real life. Come from a place of curiosity, says Copans. Rather than making assumptions, ask your teen how they're using social media and how social media is making them feel and start from there. Domoff recommends weaving conversations about social media into your daily conversations. Treat it as informally as asking them how school went. Just as you want to be the person your kids come to when they have a fight with a friend, you want to be that person too when it comes to online interactions, says Domoff. Make sure to check out our other Wired podcasts. Today in Wired Business, kids are going back to school. So is ChatGPT. Checking in on Wired Science, the winds that doomed Lahaina. And on Wired Security, the internet is turning into a data black box. An inspectability API could crack it open. Listen to these stories and more at wired.com slash podcasts. Thanks for listening to Wired. Check back in tomorrow to hear more stories from wired.com. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.